Probably Rachel just realized that I am wearing brown shoes with a black belt. And it is really going to throw me off my game today. Uh, and listen, if some of you just can't hear any of the sermon because of it, I completely uh, no, it, it, that won't work either. I need black shoes. Okay. Um, and I don't want to be blamed for what happens if I take anybody's help. Uh, so, uh, you know, if, if I would have done this on our wedding day, Rachel just wouldn't have even come down the aisle. She would have just left. She was like, well, couldn't have done it. She just nodded in agreement. She just said, yeah. True. We'll all survive. We'll get through it. Uh, actually, I'm doing a wedding in a couple of weeks, and uh, one of my favorite things to do is weddings. I understand completely that I'm just a prop. Um, the preacher at a wedding is just, you stand there, say things, and then we'll take care of the rest. Um, it's amazing how much uh, work goes into planning everything about the wedding, and then uh, a couple of weeks before, I'll say, well, how do y'all thought about your vows? I'll say, well, not really. The, the promises you're going to be making to each other. Have you thought about those? No. We have thought of, we have had arguments about the napkins though. <laughs> the weddings are are really romantic and they're beautiful because what you're doing is you're celebrating two people's commitments to each other and you're celebrating them um, as, as a congregation, a group of people that you that you are so excited about the commitment they're going to make to each other that that the bride gets that perfect dress made just for her. I mean, just they, they tailored it, they have tried it on, they tried on thousands, and she opens the door, and everyone stands as she walks down the aisle to this groom who looks very sharp and tucked, has been worn by 17 other strangers. <laughs> And there's this uniting, and they are in love, and they are committed to each other, and in such a romantic spirit, that whenever I read, as I typically do, from 1 Corinthians 13, it, um, can I go to the next slide? Oh, it's not working for me. It's probably the shoes. <laughs> when I read from 1 Corinthians 13, and say love is patient, love is kind. When I, when I get this, it does not, it, it is not proud, it doesn't envy, uh, it does not boast, it is not um, proud, it does not dishonor others. Some of your translations may say it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, love does not delight. In evil, but rejoices with the truth. When you say love um, is, it always protects. When you say it always trusts. You say it always hopes. It always perseveres. Love. You say love never fails. People say, "Oh, that's beautiful," and they get worked up into a goose bumpy frenzy. And they stand and applaud the bride and groom, and they stand and applaud the idea of love so much so they just can't help but help them with birdseed and devalue their car. <laughs> like you just, it's just such this romantic time. We don't know what to do. We're gonna throw things at them. 
They, they do bird seed now because they used to throw rice and birds were exploding. Which I thought was a romantic sort of send-off. But they, they, they like... But when I read that and everyone says, oh, that's so romantic, I always think, did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just read? It's a confirmation that I'm just a prophet. But I could have said anything. Actually, there was the first wedding I ever did. I read this passage and I said, love is not patient. Love is not kind. And Rachel was the only one who noticed it. At the next wedding, I'm going to start saying, love is... And just see if no one... If no one knows that they just say, oh, that's just so romantic. But, but I, I don't think when you, when you hear that passage and you get all lofty and, and it feels so beautiful, I don't think you're hearing it. Let's read it again. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no... It, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. When I read that, I think that sounds exhausting. I think we read that and say it sounds romantic because we are, we are imagining a world where everyone else has to act that way toward me. That's romantic. But when you read that and apply it to, to you, when I apply it to me, I come away from that passage feeling tired. Words like always perseveres. Words like keeps no record of wrongs. Words like does not dishonor others. Now this, this might, this actually gets a little easier when I'm just, when it's just me and Rachel. Because she's so fantastic, it's easy for me to, it's like, I can do that, but whenever I'm loving just random people, people who deserve for me to keep records of wrongs. <laughs> when I'm loving, when I'm loving people that I want to dishonor, I don't want to protect, I don't want to trust, I don't want to hope for. That is exhausting. It's very tiring. I, I think Paul knew this when he says the following. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember, we do not forget you because we remember you before God and our, and remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith and your labor produced or prompted by love. Your labor prompted by love. Now that word labor, sometimes we say, oh, well, it's just a labor of love. I made you lasagna. Well, I, yes, that was a kind act. Sometimes we have lumped the phrase labor of love into some kind acts and 
I think Paul's talking about things that are uh, that are different here. That word labor, the Greek word for labor, actually means work, physical labor that exhausts you. It's often translated toil. Just the getting getting down in the dirt and digging until you found what you need to find. It, it's sweating and just calluses on your hands type labor. It's labor that you don't want to do every day, but you do every day because you have to. Love is not this frilly little um, cupid animal that shoots arrows and wears a diaper for some reason. <laughs> Love is not frou-frou. Love is not um, always poetic. The best sorts of love I know come with sweat and tears. Come with pain in our heart. And the most I have loved have when we have gotten on the other side of that pain. When we've done the hard work of love. When we've done the labor of love. The people in your life who have worked hard to love you. Notice this whole time, you've probably been thinking about the people that you have to work hard to love, but you know there are people in your life that have worked hard to love you. I am not everyone's cup of tea. I know that's surprising. Thank you. I'm just not... And some people have to work hard to love me. And I, I'm so thankful for those people. It's just, it's a personality thing. But then they work hard and they love me anyway. There are people who work hard to love you and you should be thankful for those people. If you think, no one has to work hard to love me, more people have to work hard to love you than you think. <laughs> Your ignorance of the fact actually might make, make that number go up. <laughs> but we have, we have this, this labor of love that we are called to that is, is, is going to wear you out. Those of you who have small children, put the kids to bed, no matter what time, Say all our kids get to bed at 8.30. I could go to sleep at 8.31. I could. I could just, I could just go to, to my bed, lay down, and instantly go to sleep. That the, the level of energy that it takes to raise a child. This is why teachers are should be so honored. Good teachers which I, we have a lot of good teachers here, but good teachers give their heart to their classroom. And they know what it's like to have... You, you have been at the school from 7.30 to 4 o'clock, and you are exhausted. The reason you are exhausted is because you have loved well. I would argue... 
that if your day isn't wearing you out, you might could love a little more. That when your head hits the pillow, you think, oh, that's one of those, it was one of those days. Good. That's what God made sleep for. He made the daytime, he made, he made sleep so that you can rest from the love you've been given. The love you've been laboring to get to dole out to others. Where you can recover from this thing that you've been trying to do. It is hard to be married. It is hard to have kids. It is hard to have co-workers. Unless, unless you don't care about them at all. <coughs> but if you start caring about them... You start loving them, it is very difficult. It's very hard. Because they're going to fail you. They're not going to honor the love that you give them. You're going to fail them, and they're not going to forgive you as quickly as you want them to. Relationships are messy and chaotic. Once had a young woman tell me, after a very painful relationship, I, I will, I will get into another relationship whenever I'm sure that I won't get hurt. I didn't tell her this; I should have. But I wanted to say, I, well, I could buy you a gold because otherwise, that's the only, I mean, that's the only way. You can be sure you're not going to get hurt, and that thing is eventually going to do a few laps around the toilet. <laughs> Don't take that quote out of context. <laughs> that thing is eventually going to die on you. And you put all of your heart in it. Love is exhausting. Love is a labor. Love is a ministry that is not something that's going to wash over you and make you feel wonderful all the time. It's so funny to me. These, these, if, if your wedding day is the pinnacle of your marriage, your marriage will fail. Just You might not get divorced, but it'll be a failed marriage. Because if the next day, what happens? Why isn't anyone standing when I walk into the room? Why do I still have his accent? We just, we, we make it, what you're doing is so beautiful. The commitment, yeah, it is, it is wonderful when everyone's feeding you and setting, and giving you gifts and, and honoring you. And when you walk in, they play your favorite music. When you walk out, they all cheer. You stand there and they all come by you and tell you how wonderful you did standing up there. And then the next day, what? The next day, it's time to get to work on loving your spouse. The next day, it's time to get to work. The next few years, it's time to get to work. It's time to work hard to love your kids. Let your day wear you out. 
Let your day exhaust you because you've given of yourself to other people. Because you're re- I'm ready, I'm ready to give this day up. Now, here's the thing. 8.31, I'm ready to go to bed. I can't. I have someone else to spend time with. I've, we, we've had to, you know, when you have kids, you have to make sure there's, there's, there's this period of time where we have with no kids. Because I don't want to get to that place in my life where my kids leave, our, when our kids go off to college and we have no kids in the house and we don't know what to talk to say to each other. You're tired? Well, pull yourself up by your own and love your spouse for a while. We go to work, we train ourselves there, we come home, we train ourselves with our kids, we come and then we then we train ourselves with our we, we give up of ourselves. And that is exhausting. But you live like that. Live like that. Wear yourself out with love and your faith will be unforgettable. We live in a world of scarcity. Well, let me rephrase that. We live in a world of perceived scarcity. Where we think that we can just, that if we give too much, we won't be able to we'll run out. But you sleep. And you wake up the next day. Well, some of you can drink your coffee, and then, and then you're ready to go. Some of you are horrible Christians before coffee, and that's fine. We all need our thing. Hi, sweet. Don't talk to me. You walk like a zombie into the kitchen. That late, that work, it's not just love. Love as this sort of fruity little thing that just sort of, ooh, that's beautiful. Let's skip, let's skip through the flowers. You tried skipping for a long period of time? That's hard too. <laughs> it is. It is. Everything you do in the name of love will wear you out if you're doing it properly. It will hurt you if you're doing it properly. It will open you up and leave you vulnerable if you're doing it properly. But it's worth the pain. It's worth the sacrifice. It's worth the work. The labor. Same word is used. Oh, oh, oh my God, that's too quick. I forgot that part. Though it didn't work. Um, so, in that, as we talk about that, I, I want to talk about three things that we've got going here that we want you to involve yourself with. And then we've got three people who are in, in charge of those three things. And this church we call it deacons. So, we have deacons of different things. Um, church, I've been a part of churches where deacons were just names on a bulletin. Like, see, these guys are deacons. What do they do? I don't know. Just nothing. But in this church, it's been great because um, the elders really believe that it's important to pray. And they really believe it's important to visit people. And they delegate ministries to deacons. Uh, deacon, if you don't know the word, is um, diakonos. It's just the word for minister. It can be translated minister really easily. But we call them deacons. 
And what we do here is we say we have a deacon over small groups. We have a deacon over um, the, the fellowship meals and getting those things ready. Have you ever noticed that Bobby Toy is one of the last people to leave? Potluck? Because well, he's working. He's working because he loves you. The people who work hard for the mission fund and for the budget and for the, for the, um, and I'm leaving a few out. We have deacons for all these different ministries, the education. Robbie, Floyd, Bobby, Robbie Floyd's in charge of the education. Robbie, the shoes, I'm telling you. Anyway, you know who they are. But we've, we've decided to, to take um, to, to start some these new ministries, and we've we've got some guys that we believe will um, will do well in them. And we are putting them before you as a congregation today, saying we want these these men to be deacons here over specific tasks. Um, now, typically in this situation, we say, well, there's you have two weeks at this point to tell us why you think they won't be good deacons. I can sort of feel that we are going to do that. But we'd also like you to say, you to think about in this time, be prayerful during this time for their particular ministries, for, for their particular um, works, their labors. Um, we want you to be prayerful during this time about what they are going to be doing. And also, if you think there's a good reason they should be deacons, that's a good thing to tell them to do. Um, if you think there's not a, not that you think you hear these guys names, you think, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 no, 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 I don't think they should be a deacon over this particular thing. Come talk to the elders. Um, come talk to me. I'll tell you to go talk to the elders. But let them know. We have two weeks so that we can kind of allow you guys to process this and pray about it because we believe this is important to make. This is an important decision to make as a congregation. Uh, but first up is Andrew Westfall. I would say it don't get your order, but it's backward alphabetical, so I can't claim that. Andrew Westfall is going to be the deacon, deacon of family life. Um, you say, well, that sounds like a frou-frou title. It is. Um, <laughs> it is. No, what it is is uh, he is going to be working on things that will bring us together in ways um, outside of the Sunday, um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. So things that will that will you know chili cookoffs and special events where speakers come in and all he's going to be dreaming up that sort of stuff and then finding new people to help him do it. Um, don't let deacons do all this work on their own. Um, so he he gets to dream about things that will make us come closer together as a congregation. I think that's a fantastic ministry. And I think Andrew is just the guy to do it. Um, David Swope is um, going to be the deacon of children's ministry. We have a lot of really good children's ministries stuff happening. This uh, He wanted me to tell you uh, he's not going to touch KFC. That's not it. He's, his fingers are... But stuff, stuff let's, let's organize what the kids are doing and make sure... You know, sometimes we... We say, well, are we going to have a fall festival this year? Well, no, who grabbed it? Who was in charge of it? Now we have somebody who says, 
can you be in charge of that? And let's make sure he has his calendar and he's working for our kids. I don't know if you know this, we have a lot of children here. The average age of our congregation is 37. It's because we have like 112 under the age of 12. So uh, David is going to be working with that. I forgot to mention that um, Andrew has Regina working closely alongside with him. Um, we don't, we don't ever think about a deacon if we think we can't trust their spouse. Um, and uh, a lot of prayer has gone into these couples, and um, and David and Jenny are a great couple to um, head up this children's ministry. Lastly, um, this is this is such a cool deacon thing. Um, I think we might be the first church in the area to have a deacon over media. Um, yeah, right. I got a Google. Uh, Nathan Evans uh, has already been working on the website. He started a Twitter account. He started he's uh, started the Facebook page. You can go, like there, we live in a world where this is something that needs to be attended to by a particular person. Um, so much so, one time, Amber Gentry and I both made uh, uh, Mineral Springs Youth pages on the same day. And so there's two Mineral Springs Youth pages out there. We didn't know, we just thought, well, this is a good idea. And the Spirit moved us both at the same time. My, oh, yes, my yes. Mine has way more likes than hers. Um, but Nathan's going to be in charge of stuff like, and just stuff as simple as, well, we need to put something in the paper. Well, go grab it. Nathan's going to grab that. Um, Mike's, Mike Reese is really good about that. Go grab him too. Um, but they're, we're, we're working on, we've, we've got a new website. We've got stuff that people can find us online. Go to Walmart. Walk around just aimlessly for about 30 minutes and see how many people run into you because their face is in their phone. Forget texting and driving. People can't text and walk. This is, this is, not saying I like it. This is the world we live in. Where there's something about having an online presence that matters. And we need somebody to be in charge of that. And Nathan has, um, I talked to Nathan about this a month and a half, two months ago. And Nathan has been on it ever since. Um, these guys, all three of them, have been dreaming about this, praying about this ever since. So if, if um, I, I, we put them before you, um, we want you to pray about it, we want you to think about it, um, and in two weeks from now we will um, confirm them legitimately, sprinkle them with holy water, I'm not even sure how we do it, um, as deacons. That's not how we do it, I know that for sure. But we will pray over them and it will be... Um, Official. I think they go in the bulletin. I think that's really all that's changed. They work hard at this. And the reason they work hard at this is because the reason good teachers will work hard at this. And the reason um, the reason good spouses work hard at their marriage. The reason um, good good parents work hard at parenting. It's because it's a love worth laboring over. It's a love worth exhausting yourself over. It's a worthwhile venture. Maybe this church is something worth laboring yourself. Maybe you love it, and you think, "Well, I'm going to love it for real. I'm going to. I'm going to maybe, maybe loving God is worth exhausting yourself. 
You think, well, what do I do? And I'm just worn out. And I have, I've labored, and I've labored, and I've labored, I've labored, and I am exhausted. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you who are weary. Actually, that is the exact same word that Paul uses when he says you are labored. Come to me, all of you who are labored, burdened, and I will give you rest. This may touch a nerve. I'm sorry if it does, but it's true. You, most of you go to work and you get exhausted there. You are weary and labored from giving your heart to your job. And you come home try to find rest in your spouse and your child. And they cannot give you rest. You try to dump your anxieties and your broken and, and your and the exhaustion of your day on your child and they on your spouse and your children and they can't bear it. They're not God. But Jesus is the one who says Give your burdens and your labor to me and come to me and I will give you rest. I think just practically a lot of you drive home and on the way home think about how you're going to tell your spouse about your horrific day instead of giving your horrific day to God. When you unload on your spouse, when you unload on your kids, that's called transference. If you feel better, guess who feels worse? This doesn't mean you're not talking about your day to your kid, but I'm thinking if you're exhausted from your day, you need to go to the only one who can give you rest. You need to, ex you need to explore your day, talk about your day with the one loves you more than anybody. God loves you more than your kids love you. God loves you more than your spouse loves you. And Jesus says, are you labored? Are you weary? Are you burdened? Come to me. I think a lot of us need to spend some time in the car in prayer on the way home. And give your day to God, I guarantee you it will change how you interact with your spouse. How you interact with your kids in that earth. Because it is only in God that we can find rest from our weariness. It's only in God that we can find rest from the love that exhausts us. I think it's important to have that kind of love. But if you die again and have that kind of love, but don't try to find rest in this Messiah, the Messiah, the Savior, He, you will, you will squash the things you love most by dumping on them things they cannot bear. Your love is a labor world. It should exhaust you. Thankfully, the one who calls us 
to exhaust ourselves in love is also the one who calls us to come and find rest and peace with him. That's the kind of life we live. A life motivated by Jesus to love ourselves to exhaustion. And a life powered by Jesus as we can find rest and comfort and peace. Today, if you're willing, if you're ready to give up yourself, if you're ready to love like you mean it, love like you want to wear yourself out, or maybe you have been loving yourself, loving like that, and you're just like wearing yourself out, and you just don't really know where to put that exhaustion. The answer to both problems is a call to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and find your love, find your rest there. Today's the day. Please come forward, both the hand on the